Matthew 6.33, uh, I, I began a series last week simply titled, Seek First. Now, as we get into this, I want to remind you uh, about a couple of things that are so critical here. What we're learning is, is not just, uh, oh, that's a good thought. No, this is how life works. And I want you to get this, okay? When, when we talk about seeking first, we're, we're, we're understanding that means putting God at first place in our life. That not only means that he's first in order of how we do things, it means he's first place in our hearts. He's preeminent. He's the priority of our life. But we go beyond that because I want us to understand this, and, and, and this is very clear, and I want you to get this. The truth is, the only place that God can occupy in our lives is first place. If God's not first place in our life, I want to be honest with you, he's no place in our life. Okay, He's first place or no place. See, God will not uh, sit in the second chair. God will not sit in the 10th chair. God will not be an add-on to our life. He is either first place or he's no place in our life. And here's the great thing that happens. When we put him first in our life, when we begin to accept him as God and trust him and honor him and put him first in our life, then this is what happens. I want you to get this. Our lives begin to align with him. When we say, God, you're first, that becomes the standard that becomes how I make my choices, how I make my decisions, how I set my priorities. You know, you finally have a compass for your life. A lot of people I talk with, they say, Pastor, I don't know how to, I don't know who to marry. I don't know where to go to college. I don't know what job to take. I, I, I don't know. Those are big decisions. Those are huge decisions. How, how do we make those? Well, we have to have some direction. We have to have a standard. And when, when we place God in his place, when we put him in his place, then our lives begin to align. I remember quite a few years ago, I'll never forget this. You, you don't forget these kind of moments. I was in my office in the, in, in the day and at the church, and man, boom, the door came open. This guy came stomping in my office. He's all red in the face. He was mad as a wet hen, man. He was mad. And I said, hey, what's going on, man? I said, it's cool off. Sit down, cool off. He said, well, I'm not happy. I said, well, what are you not happy about? He said, well, my wife came to this church and she got saved. I said, well, what's wrong with that? He said, well, when my wife came to this church and got saved, she put God in my place, and I don't like it. He was mad. So I said, Holy Spirit, help me. And Holy Spirit, help me. And just like that, in the Holy Spirit, wonderful, just like that, this is what I told him. I said, look, sit down. Just calm down. I said, look, you don't understand. God didn't put, your wife didn't put God in your place. Your wife put God in his place. And I said, if you'll just hold on, cool your jets. You're about to have the best wife you ever had in your life. Your family and your home's about to be better than it's ever been before. And then he kind of cooled and sat down. I said, your wife didn't put God in your place. She finally put God in his place in her life. And this is what happens when you and I put God first. Watch this. Our lives line up. You begin to know his will for your life. You begin to know your, his purpose for your life. And you know what happens? As we begin to line up with God, we begin to see God's blessing and his favor, his direction. It's just like this. If, if this is God's will for me here, okay? This is his best, his will, his purpose. He created me for this place. He, he designed me for this place. When I'm in this place, I'm, I'm lined up with God. I'm working with God. But if, if that's my place and I refuse to get into it because I'm rebellious or disobedient or stubborn and I'm over here doing my thing and I'm not in the will of God and that's the will of God, I'm doing my thing, but I still what I want him to do, I still want him to bless me like I'm in his will, right? I still want him to provide for me like I'm in his will. He cannot do that here. Because he would be supporting our rebellion and disobedience. But if you and I put him first place in our life, 
We have the courage to take that step and trust him, put him first. You know what happens? We've lined up with the purposes of God, and you begin to live your life at the highest level. How many want to live highest level life? Say amen to that. Now, let's look at Matthew 6.33 from the Amplified Translation. I love this translation. It really gives you some insight and direction. So watch this. We read this last week, but let's read it here. But first and most importantly, look at this verbiage. It's, it's, it's critical. First and most importantly, seek. We talked about seeking. What does that mean? Aim at. Strive after. Okay? What are we first and most importantly seeking, aiming, striving? His kingdom and his righteousness. Now, what does that mean? They help us here. His way of doing and being right. The attitude and character of God. Attitude is how I think. Character is how I live. How many got that? Do you understand that? If I have a good attitude, that's the way I think. It's my perspective of life. But this goes beyond how I think. It goes into how I actually live. So what we have here is that we want to have the attitude and character of God. Now what happens when we do that? And all these things will be given to you. Wow. Come on now, let's read it again. Are you with me? Look at these words. This is the word of God. But first and most importantly, see, aim at, strive after his kingdom and his righteousness, his way of doing and being. The things that are right, the attitude and character of God, and all these things will be given to you. That's an incredible statement. Did you, do you understand it? Listen, how many of you are praying about some things right now? I am. Anybody else praying about some things? I am. I'm praying about a lot of things. Are you praying about your family, about your marriage, about your children, about your health, about your finances, about your workplace, about where you go to school, about decisions. You're sure we're praying. There are a lot of things that are important to us. Is that right? How many have a lot of things important to you in life? Is your family important? Is your health important? Your life important? Your dream important? But do you know what this says? I want us to get this. I don't think we get this. God says, if we put him first, if we put him first, he said, I'll take care of all those things, all those things. All those things that we worry and, 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 and we're stressed and we're working with. That's not just an idle promise. That's what God says. So let's, let's look at this. Let's look at this. I, I want to look at one more passage. In fact, I, let, let me, let's just back up here. Let me change this. I want to go to Matthew 6.25, right while we're here. So, so what does this mean? Pastor, how do I put God first? How do I seek him first? In a practical way. Let, let me help you with this. How do we know we're doing this in January 2019? In the real world, in our real life, when I walk out of these doors, how am I knowing I'm seeking God first? Well, let's look at the context in which he gave this statement. Let's look back at this passage of scripture and not just grab this one statement. It's a power statement. But let's, let's understand why he said this. All right, look at the conversation. Beginning in verse 18 of Matthew chapter 26. Let's, let's look at verse 18. Uh, well, you know what? I, I'm way off. Let me get back to Matthew 6, and I want to go to verse 25. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 25. So let's take a look at this. Let's take a moment. What is the context of that statement? Seek first the kingdom. These things are added. All right, look at verse 25. He says, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. Wow. Okay. Look at this. He says, so, so listen, you guys are all stressed out. He said, let me help you. Do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink. That mu they must have been on a fast, right? Like us. He said, quit, right, quit worrying about what you're going to eat or drink, right? So, so he says, or what you'll wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? 
Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Then look at this. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? He's talking about things here, right? All the things. So he's, he's helping us. Verse 28. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in his splendor, the king, the great king, the, the wealthiest king of Israel, was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans, did you get that? Who's worrying about that stuff? Pagans. What are pagans? People that don't believe in God. Watch. For the pagans run after all these things. Can I help you with something? Why are the pagans running after things? Why are they chasing down things? Why are they, what he said, why are they seeking, striving, aiming for things? Because... They don't know who they are. They haven't met the God that created them. They've never stepped into the will of God and lived their life at the highest level, walking in his will and his purpose. And if you don't know who you are and you've never connected to the will of God in your life, then what do we do? We run, seek, chase down counterfeit solutions to make us feel good about ourselves. We don't feel good on the inside, so we spend too much money looking good on the outside. Anybody hear me? Huh? Okay, we, we, you know, we feel so, we're, we're so broken in here that we think if I, if I get the right d designer label here, I'm going to be all right. But we're chasing down fulfillment in the wrong places. We're chasing down satisfaction. What I eat, what I drink, what I wear, where I go, all these things. And he said, people that don't know God just run and run and run after these things. Why do we not chase those things down? Because we've met the God who cares for us. Who provides for us? Who makes us whole? Who lets us know who he is and who we are? And then he says, look at this. But seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you as well. Do you see what we're learning here? How do I put God first? What is this thing that I'm beginning to see? I'm beginning to understand if I trust him with my life. I'm beginning to put God first in my life. Let's go to Proverbs chapter uh, 3. Proverbs 3. I want to go to verse number 5. Proverbs 3, 5. I want to just show you this in another passage. Proverbs chapter 3, verse number 5. Again, I have it for us here in the Amplified Translation because it, it gives us so much insight. I want to put these two together. So the, the context of Jesus saying, seek me first and my kingdom and I'll give you these things is for people who are worrying about things. People who are chasing down dead-end streets. We've all had to deal with these things in our life. Now watch this. This talks about first, but I want to lead you into this and I help you understand something. So watch this. What's the first word here? Come on. I want everybody. What's the first word? Trust. We're, we're, we're learning. Pastor, help me understand how to put God first. Okay. Trust in, the, trust in and rely confidently on the Lord. How? With all your heart. Not just Sunday morning. Everybody with me? And do not rely on your own insight or understanding. And that's going to be stated twice. So we're making a decision. Am I going to worry about things? Am I going to try to make my life work? Am I going to try to help God out? Am I going to put him first and watch him work? All right, let's go to verse 6. In all your ways, all your ways, acknowledge 
and recognize him. And what will he do? He'll make your path straight now. Look at this. And smooth. He will remove obstacles that block your way. Anybody ever had any obstacles? I have. And the Bible says God can move things out of my way that I could never move. God can move all the impossibilities out when I'm putting them first. Verse 7. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord with reverent awe and obedience. You know what the fear of the Lord is? It's not I'm afraid he's out to get me. Listen, if God was out to get us, we'd all be gotten. I know that's not good grammar, but you understand what I'm saying. Everybody understand that? He's not that bad a shot. You're not that fast. We're not that smart. If God was out to get you, we'd all be dead right now. How many understand what I just said? Evidently, God's not out to get us. So what is, what is the fear of the Lord? It's not that, it's not that, uh, if you, I, I remember one time, I, I, I was, and it's sad, I was w- with a family, and evidently the parents must have, I, I was going to say beat the brakes off the kid, but I'll say it a nicer way. The parents must have, not, must have been somewhat abusive in the way they treated their children. Because I watched the kids, every time the, like the, the dad walked up and, and scratched his ear, the kid jerked. He thought somebody about the backhanding, you understand? So we don't come in the presence of God like that. What does the fear of God mean? Just that. We revere and we're in awe of him. We say, God, I recognize you all the time. It's not that I'm running from you or hiding from you. I want to walk with you. I'm in reverent awe of you, God. I recognize you, okay? So when we do that, that causes us to obey and turn entirely away from evil. Look at verse 8. Watch what happens. Look at this promise. It will be what? Health. That's, that's literally the promises of God. I want you to get this, guys, and, and say, God, that's for me. Somebody say, that's mine. Health for your body, your marrow, your nerves, your sinews, your muscles, all your inner parts, and refreshment, physical well-being to your bones. Now, all this trusting, don't lean on yourself, put him in the right place. Then here comes verse 9. Okay, look at this word. What's the first word? When you trust God, when you obey God, when you seek God, that's how you honor him. So watch what happens. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your crops. So watch the sequence. How do I know I'm trusting and honoring God? I'm putting him first. And watch what happens in verse 10. Look at the first word. See the timing there? See the timing sequence? Put trust in the Lord. Put him first. Then, what's the result of that? Barns abundantly filled. That's overflowing new wine. The concept of putting God first, let's let's make it very real here. It means this. If I'm putting God first in my life as a believer, that means I'm trusting him. I'm trusting him. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Stop leaning on my own understanding. How do I know I'm putting God first? I trust him. I honor him. I respect him. I trust him. Here's the bottom line. How does that play out in my daily life? Are you ready? I take him at his word. You honor God when you take him at his word. You honor God when you believe what he says. You honor God when, when your faith turns into action. So God, how do I know that God's first in my life? I've taken him at his word. I put my life, I've based my life on that. I believe if I put God first, God's going to take care of the rest. Isn't that what he said? If you honor him, if you put him first, then God takes care of the rest. The first thing I do redeems everything that's left. How many can say amen to that? The first thing I do blesses what's left. Pastor Emilio said, we need to put that soul sign on us. I was thinking about those scriptures that says, you are not your own. You are bought with a price. With the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Come on, let's tell the devil right now. Put your sale, soul sign on. Come on, I'm not for sale. Come on, I'm not for sale. Who's not for sale anymore? I'm not for sale. You can't buy me, devil. Come on, you can't buy this church. You can't buy my life. You don't have anything I need. I'm not for sale. I'm sold. The blood of Jesus has covered us, see? 
We trusted him. We took him at his word. I love this. I read the other day. Somebody said, fear knocked on the door. Faith answered it. And the devil ran away. <laughs> you know, we, we put God first. We trust him. God, I trust you. I put you first. How do I know I'm honoring? How do I know I'm putting him first? I'm taking him at his word. I'm doing what he says. Let, let's, let's go to Genesis chapter 15. Let me show you how this works in the life of Abraham. This, this moment we're going to read in Genesis 15 was so powerful that it was referred to in Romans 4 in the New Testament. It, this verse is quoted. Genesis 15, turn there with me, verse 1. This verse was quoted. It was such a powerful encounter. It was such an encouragement. Genesis 15, I want to read verse 6. How do I put God first? How do I honor him by trusting him, by taking him at his word. Look at Genesis 15, 6. Abram believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. Abraham took God at his word and it pleased God. God said a blessing comes to you for that. Let's simplify things. How do I know I'm putting God first? I'm taking him at his word. How am I honoring God? I'm trusting him. I'm taking him at his word. It's not just a theory for me. I trust him. I honor him. It, 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 it's how I trust him. I, I remember when, when our girls were little, Phyllis never enjoyed this, but we had fun with it. And, and they were tiny. And, and, and I, I don't know why men do these things. You know, it, it's just, I don't know, but we do. So I, I, I would uh, I'd put them on the refrigerator, top of the refrigerator. I'd say, jump. You know what those little girls do? They just pile off there. They would, it was the most fun thing. They just trust me because I never dropped them. Just trust me. I remember Nicole, was, she was a tiny baby. And, uh, and, and I would put her in the palm of my hand. And she would just, and she'd make her legs real stiff. I could balance her in my hand just like that. I'd hold her up. Phyllis would say, y'all need to stop that. And, and we'd say, we're having fun, honey. It's fun. You know, how, you know every, if a man's having fun, somebody's about to get hurt. You know how that goes. <laughs> Sorry. You, you know how that works. You know, what's, what's the last words of a redneck? Hey, y'all watch this. What's the last words of a redneck's brother? That ain't nothing. <laughs> so, you know, it's just who we are. I don't know why we can't figure this out. So when, when men start having fun, the mothers and the wives start getting nervous. It's just, who knows? God help us. Thank God we got saved, huh? <laughs> okay. So they trust me. I said, jump, they jump, jump, they jump. We just had a good time. Trust means I take you at your word. I believe you're going to do what you said. I believe you're going to respond to me the way you said you responded to me. How many are thankful we can trust God today? But until I trust him, <laughs> I haven't put him first. Until I honor him and say, you know, I'm going to do what you said. Abram was in a tough spot, and he believed God, and God said, you please me. Now watch this. I want to show you something. There, there's a connection here that, that's so powerful. Let, let's, uh, you know, I think I'll just keep going. Let, let's go to verse 1 in this chapter. What was the moment? What was happening here? Chapter 15, verse 1 says, after this, now we'll, we'll, go, we'll go to that. What, what was that referring to? We'll do that in a minute. Watch this. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Watch this. Great word from God. He says, uh, do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield and your very great reward. What a promise. Uh, Abram, God appears to him, makes this powerful statement. God, Abram, don't worry. I'm your shield. Nobody's going to hurt you. Abram, don't worry. I'm your great reward. Everything I've said to you is going to happen. But look, right in the middle of this great promise, I would think Abram should be saying, Hallelujah. Thank God. That's encouraging. Praise the Lord. But look at Abram. He's so into his issue. Verse 2. But Abram said, 
Oh, sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. In other words, God says, I'm with you. I'm your promise. I'm going to do what I said. And Abram's so down in that moment. He says, oh, God, you never gave us the boy yet. I'm getting old, God. The clock's ticking, God. I'm in my 90s. My wife's in her 80s. And you promised us that, you know, 10 years ago, we were going to have a child. And here we are, childless. Oh, God. I guess my servant's going to inherit all this. Never going to have a son. God just showed up. Have you ever been so down that you couldn't even hear God's promise when it walked into your life? Come on, don't, don't, be honest. Have you ever been so into the singing the blues that God walks up with an answer and you just missed the whole thing? Could, you know, could it ever be? Is it just possible? I don't know nobody here has ever done this. That you came to church so down, tried and discouraged. Congratulations, at least you came. Come on. But you're so discouraged and downtrodden. Everybody around you praising the Lord, you're almost aggravated. I don't know what they're thanking God for. Or somebody gives a testimony. Praise the Lord. This is what the Lord has done. And you're like, well, he didn't do it for me. Isn't it crazy? We get in that place where we're so discouraged we can't enjoy the blessings of God. And so here's Abram with this amazing promise. Hey, I'm your reward. I'm your shield. He said, yeah, but you sure hadn't given me the boy yet, God. He almost missed it. Watch this. Verse 3, Abram, uh, uh, then Abram said, you give me no children, so servant in my house so will be my heir. Verse 4, watch. Aren't you thankful God doesn't give, on us, give up on us even when we're missing the moment? Then the word of the Lord came to him, this man will not be your heir, but a son coming from your own body will be your heir. He took him outside and he looked up at the heavens and he said, count the stars if indeed you can count. And then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Watch. And Abraham believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. In the middle of his lowest moment, God spoke to him and Abram had a choice. And he said, you know what? I believe you. And he honored God. Now, here's what I want you to see. What precipitated, what preceded that encounter with God? In Genesis 15. Because see, verse 1 starts. Would you put that up? Uh, in verse 1, let's go back. And, and what do we read here? Uh, verse 1 in this chapter says something I want you to see. Another timing word. It says, after this. After this. So this encounter with God and Abram happened after something important. What was it? Well, in chapter 14, Abram had gathered the men in his household, about 300 and some, and gone against five armies that had taken his son, his nephew Lot, captive in his family. And Abram goes out with just 300 men or so and defeats five kings and their army and brings back his nephew and the family, saved them all. They were living in Sodom. Now, you know the story. You know it's connected there. Do you know what I've discovered in life? If you're living where you're not supposed to be living, things are going to happen to you that shouldn't be happening. Anybody understand what I just said? If you're hanging out with people that are doing things that shouldn't be done, you're going to get caught with the people hanging out there. How many understand what I'm saying? If you're riding in a car with a guy who's dirty, and I'm not talking about he didn't take a bath. You know what I'm talking about. And he gets pulled over and you get in trouble. If you weren't in a car with Dirty Joe, you wouldn't have gotten in trouble. If you weren't hanging in a house, out of the house, where they're doing stuff that they shouldn't be doing, and the people with the badges come in the front door, you wouldn't have to be running out of the back door. But what happens? If we're living where we shouldn't be living, things are going to happen to us that we didn't think are going to happen. 
So Abram goes in and he rescues Lot and brings him back. And the king of Sodom says, I'm so thankful that you defeated our enemies. He says, he says you can have all this stuff. But just watch this. First time it ever happened in Scripture. And I'm not sure why he did it, how he did it. There was no example. He didn't have to. Abram said, wait first. I'm going to give a tenth of everything that, that I've just increased to the priests of Jerusalem. We're going to honor God. First, it never happened. First time in Scripture. Abram says, stop. We just had a great victory. I'm going to put God first. Here's the first tenth of everything that came to me. Then the king of Sodom said, well, you can keep all this stuff that, that these kings had taken from us. And Abram said, sir, thank you. But you're never going to say you made me rich. I don't want anything from here. Only God's providing in my life. Then we come to chapter 15, 1. And what does it say? After this. After Abram put God first. After Abram trusted God. After Abram said, God, you're first in my life, he still was trying to make his journey work. It still wasn't perfect for him. But what happens, God shows up and said, I'm going to walk in your life because you put me first. I'm going to step into your despair because you put me first. And what did he tell Abram to do? Look at the scripture. He says, I want you to look with me in verse 5. He took him outside and said, look up at the heavens and count the stars. Now, where was Abram? Look at this. Abram, it was nighttime because the stars were out. And where was Abram? He's in this tent. It's dark outside. It's dark inside. There are no utilities. Everybody understand what I'm saying? I don't think there was a fire in the tent. That kind of sounds dangerous to me. You burn a tent down. So he's in the tent. He's sitting there. And God walks in his tent. Have you ever been in a situation where it looks so dark? <laughs> where it looks so desperate? Where it looks like it's over? There's Abram in his tent. It's night. It's dark outside. It's dark inside. He just had a great victory in his life. But all he can think about, I don't have a son. I don't have a son. I don't have a son. And you know what God said to him? He said, I can't talk to you in here. You need to get up out of that tent. and You need to walk outside with me. And you need to look up at the stars. Now listen, until you're willing to leave the things that you can make and walk outside and look at the things that only God can make, you may never know what it's like to trust God and put him in that place. See, we build these little safe zones, don't we? We come in and, and we build our little comfort zone. And isn't it crazy what we'll hold on to even when we don't like it and it's hurting us and, and it's limiting us, but because it's familiar, we don't want to let go of it? Isn't it amazing that this place here that we build, what man builds, and, and then that becomes our perspective, our faith goes no higher than the ceiling of a tent, our, our vision is no further than the flap of a tent, our hope is no brighter than the darkness of a tent, and we begin to live in this little place that, that is dark. This little place that is, is limited. This little place that has become familiar. And God says, I want to show you something amazing. But we got to get out of that place right now. And I want to tell you today that God may just be pulling you out of a dark, familiar place to take you into a greater place than you've ever been in your life. But if I'm going to trust him, I have to be willing to walk out of that. How many can say amen to that today? We've got to leave the familiar. Do you know what's funny to me? And not funny, it's tragic to me. Strange, tragic. That I find a lot of people will continue to repeat the abuse of a family member to them as their life goes on. Why would a person who's been abused by this family abuse somebody else? Why would the person who knows the pain of this act do it to another person? Until we walk out of what we can do. Until we let go of where we've been. 
until we decide I'm not going to live and die inside this dark little limited tent. I'm going to follow God and walk out. See, tents are limited. Skies are unlimited. He said, if you look at those stars, I'll take all the limits off your life. And Abram looked at that and he looked at his tent and he said, God, I believe you. He put him first. God, I honor you. God, I trust you. I'm going to put you first in my life. Do you know that Abram had some stumbles along the way? How many know that? He, he had some stumbles. He, he was afraid two times. And, and, and the big coward told his wife, look, it, the, you're so beautiful. Man, listen, ladies, I, I don't know what that woman had. You understand this? This lady was 80 years old. And her husband said, you are so fine that they're going to kill me to get to you. So if you love me, just tell them you're my sister. And they'll honor me because I'm your brother. Now, I'm going to tell you, that is not a five-star man. That is not a gallant man. That's a coward. That's a chicken. That guy, I mean, hey, come on. So Abram pulled some boneheaded things. But God kept working with him. Aren't you thankful? You, you know, we can make some mistakes, but God keeps coming after us. And so Abram started off slow, but he had a promise. God said, I'm going to make something out of it. I'm going to make something out of it. And there were moments when Abram got here in this moment and he said I'm so discouraged I give up God I quit I'm never going to have a son my servant's going to inherit this and God said I walked into this tent to tell you tonight that this is not your future. Now let me pull you out of this. Listen to me do you know some God times God may send a wind and blow your tent down because you won't come out of it any other way and his plan for you is so much greater than that little tent you're living in that sometimes he's got to knock it off so you can see how big God is. How, Pastor, what does that mean? Well, m maybe that place where you're working, <laughs> and we understand that you got to get the check, you got to get, get the money, you got to pay the bills, you got to do the thing. Listen to me. Do you know that God's bigger than where you're working right now? Boy, I, yeah. some of you guys with me, some of you guys not with me right now. It's okay. I'm going to keep going. God's bigger than where we work. Does anybody believe that? And his name is Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. And you know, it may be that somebody told you this week, you know, this place is about to close up. We're going to dry up around here. We're not going to have money. And everybody else is sitting in the tent. Oh, it's going to, I'm going to lose my house. I'm going to lose my family. I'm going to lose my mind. I'm going to lose my insurance. I'm going to lose my health. And everybody's there. Oh, but you know what God's saying to you? Hey, 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 okay. Maybe before you go into work tomorrow, <clears throat> you need to start, stop on the parking lot and look up. Now, there won't be any stars out tomorrow morning, but look up. And say, the God that did this is the God of my life. And if this job goes away, God's not going to go away. Sometimes I have to get pushed out of my comfort so I can see the unlimited resources of God. That's the moment when Abraham said, and he reverted. You see, that one statement of faith uh, erased all the other mistakes he'd made. He said, God, I believe that. God, I believe that. How many of you believe today that God is who he says he is? And that God will do everything that he promised and that he's big enough to find. Well, how do I know I'm putting God first? I take him at his word. How do I know that I'm honoring God? I take him at his word. It's not that hard to figure out. God wants to take us from where we are to an unlimited place in our life. He wants to move us from this, oh, it's over, oh, it's done, into this place where we see that. The Bible commended him. The New Testament, thousands of years later, hundreds of years later, said, you know what? Abraham pleased God when he said, I believe you. I believe you. I believe you. It's that first step. You know, when, when I uh, gave my heart to Christ, I had to trust him. 
It was a struggle for me. Have you ever been there saying, anybody, I want to be honest, I have. Has anybody ever struggled saying yes to God? Why do we struggle saying yes to God? Because we see what we have and we're afraid to go to the place we've never seen before. And, and, and then the, when I was saved, I had to look at the things I had and I had to look at God. I knew these things. I didn't know what God would do. I didn't know what it was like to live a Christian life. I wasn't sure. And you know, can I help you? All these things I was holding on to, I thought, oh, I can't give that up. I can't stop that. I can't give that up. You know what happened the minute I let go of them and came out of my tent and trusted God and looked back at all those things I was holding? You know what I've been holding on to all my time? Trash bags. It was trash. It was, it was filthy rags. All this stuff I thought, I can't lay that down. I can't let that go. I can't surrender that. And the moment I walked away and said, I leave it. Now, it looked big to me when I left. I thought it was amazing when I left. But when I got over here and looked back, I thought, wow, that is what I was doing. Can you see Abram down in that tent, little tent by himself, no kids, you know, no pampers, no crib, no baby seat to fit on the camel. None of that's in there. But he walks out and he looks at the stars and he says, I believe you. I trust you. Do you know, every one of us, I talked last week about first steps. We're that close. To moving into a new season in our life. Where we say, you know what God, I trust you. I'm going to walk outside the tent. Would you let him pull you out of your comfort zone today? What, what, you know, here's what I found out. The quicker I say yes, <laughs> the sooner I get to that next place God's going to do in my life. Today, would you say yes to him? Maybe you're struggling with the decision. We all say, God, I want to go to the next season. God, I want to move into a new place in my life. It starts with leaving this and trusting him. Taking him at his word. I want you to stand with me. I want our musicians to come. I want to pray a prayer for you today. I want to pray an important prayer right now. Remember the sequence? After this, God walked in the tent. After what? After he put God first. Uh, do, what do we read in Proverbs? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Honor him. Put him first. Then everything gets filled. Today, God wants to step into your moment. Step into this situation and bring restoration and healing and blessing and favor into your life. He hasn't brought us here to leave us. He hasn't taken us like Abram this far on the journey to walk off. I want to encourage you today. As we put God first. How do I know I'm putting him first? I trust him. Do we believe God is who he says he is? Anybody believe that with me? Do you believe he's who he says he is? Do you believe that he will do what he said he would do? Well, we had a great lesson illustrated to us this week. It took 10 years. But you know what I believe? It didn't take God 10 years to get that done. I believe God waited for the right moment to do it. And can I show you something? We had to leave there first. You think that was easy to leave there and come here? You know how much buildings we have on, on that property over there? We have 60,000 square feet of buildings there. 60,000. And how much we have here? 28. So when does it feel right to cut in half? When you say yes to God, <laughs> when does it feel right to have half your size and still maintain the same size of your congregation? When you say yes to God, what happens when you say yes to God? He says, okay, you know, what's happening to Calvary right now. What we saw begin to happen this week, the limits start flying off. The limits start flying off and, and, and you start realizing, look what God can do. You know, during this week, we've had some of the uh, unprecedented Phyllis and I talked about it during this first week of our fast. We, I, I've seen people receive some of the greatest blessings I've ever seen people receive in their life. 
I've watched God do things, and we, Phyllis and I, have celebrated and praised God, seeing people be blessed. I've seen God bless people in a way that, and they've said to me, I've never had anything like this happen in my life. But you know what's better than that? I want you to get this. Is that I also realize that God used somebody to be that blessing to them. How many of you are listening to what I'm saying? God used somebody to be that blessing. And you know what's better than receiving a blessing? It's God using you to be a blessing to somebody. And you know, that's what we're about, isn't it? Isn't that what this whole thing is about? That why we're here, why we're praying and believing and growing. Because I don't want to be just a group of people who always got our hand out. God, I need, I need, I need, I need, I need, I need. I want to be the people with the hand down. I bless, I bless, I bless, I bless, I bless, I bless, I bless. How many want to see God be that kind of God? So let me challenge you. Can you see yourself shifting right now from this to that? Can you see yourself that way? Can you see this posture of life, this paradigm, this living in the tent with all the limits? Can you see it do this? I want to bless you. I want to bless you. That's living at the highest level. I want to call you out of your tent today. I want to call you out of the familiar place. I want to call you out of the comfortable place. I don't want to ask you to move out and let's start looking up at the unlimited God that we serve. Well, pastor, I'm too old. I'm retired. Woo, you're full-time serving God if you're retired. Huh? You're full-time. Now you serve God full-time. Huh? I love retirees. Oh, my Jesus. They're, they're an army. Well, Pastor, I'm too young. You are too young. What about David, little boy, anointed the next king? Come on, you're not too young. Well, God, you know how it is in this world. I'm a woman and I can't do that. Oh, really? Is that? Well, let's talk to Esther about that for a while. See what, see what a woman can't do in this world. It's God. It's God. Could, could I call you out of that tent? Well, you know, I'm, I'm going through a rough time here. Well, maybe that rough time, you know, is just the narrow birthing canal for you to step into the biggest moment of your life. So we're going to make a determination. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm not going to fear any evil. How many are walking through it with me? Come on. Just because you're in the valley of the shadow of death doesn't mean you're going to die there. I'm coming through. Anybody coming through? Why don't we just have a victory march while we're going through? See, why? Why are we not worried about all these things? Oh, when the shadow of death. Yeah, yeah, right. It's the shadow. Shadows can't hurt anybody. So what are we saying? Thank you, God. I trust you. I'm going to have food to eat. I'm going to have clothes to wear. I'm going to have these things happen in my life. You're going to take care of me. Why? Because I'm going to put you first. I'm going to take you at your word. So, Pastor, I'm struggling with that. Well, take a step today. Take a step right where you are. I believe. I believe. I believe.